This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for another edition. Well, actually, this week, Brandon, we're back for two editions of the Primetime Podcast. It is double podcast, and this is where, like, you get the all the ham horns, like the bam, 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 bam. It's double podcast month, or double podcast week, I should say, for the Primetime Podcast. That's how excited I am. I'm saying month instead of week. We got two big boards for you. We got a fast break. We got a NBA one. We got a NFL one. We're going to start with the NBA, though. This is the NBA big board. Make sure to check out our NFL big board as well. Before we get into it, though, a little bit of housekeeping. Number one, got to say thank you to our brand new patron, William. Just got the email yesterday. William will be a patron starting for April and on. Want to join. I want to thank William and invite him to the Patreon family. How do you become a patron like William? Check the link down below in that description. Also, if you want an MVP t-shirt, that store link also down in the description. Mostvaluablepodcast.com. That's where you bookmark that. You get everything for MVP. That's where it all posts. The full podcast, the YouTube videos, everything right there at MVP.com. And then last but not least, go ahead on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Give the Primetime Podcast a five-star rating. It would mean the world to both Brandon and myself. But, Brandon, we're going to get into the NBA big board, the NBA draft. And how we do this is if you're on YouTube, it's split up into segments unless you're after the fact. We put it up in full after the segments have gone out. Blog Talk Radio, you get it all the way through. Brandon, we're going to start with 16 through 25. Start at 25. Give us your first 25 through 16. All right, so starting things off, I've got Brandon McCoy, forward from UNLV, Raleigh Alkins, uh, guard slash forward from Arizona. He's at 24, 23. I've got Shake Milton, guard from SMU at, that was at 23, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, if you had the numbers going right up the middle, that'd be so much easier, <laughs> but you don't. Um, so at 22, I've got Chandler Hutchison, forward from Boise State. At 21, I've got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, guard from Kentucky. At 20, I've got Zanan Musa, strong forward, uh, international. At 19, I've got Chemezi Matu, forward slash center, USC. At 18, I've got Mitchell Robinson, center out of high school in Louisiana. At 17, I've got Daniel Gafford, center out of Arkansas. And then at 16, I've got Miles Bridges, forward, Michigan State. And that's what we're going to get into. We're going to get into that one a little bit because when you told me about that, I was shocked that you had Miles Bridges that low. Not really shocked, but kind of shocked that we actually had one of us go that bold to have him this low. But just to get mine before we get into everything at 25, I got the same one you had. Brandon McCoy, forward out of UNLV. Then Chandler Hutchinson, forward out of the Boise State Broncos. Number 23, Shake Shake Milton, the guard out of SMU. Number 22, Anthony Simmons, the guard from high school. Right above him at 21, his high school mate. They're not in high school together. They're just both high schoolers in this draft. Mitchell Robinson, the center. Then at number 20, Kyrie Thomas, the guard from the Creighton Blue Jays. Number 19, Chemezi Matu, the forward slash center from USC. Then at 18, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the guard from Kentucky. Number 17, Zanin Musa, the forward overseas international player. 
Then at 16, the guard from Alabama, Colin Sexton. So, Brandon, first guy I want to get into, there's two that are right away. People are probably like, what's go- what's going on, guys? Why do you got, really, it's who we got at 16. Like, why do you got Miles Bridges? Why do you got Colin Sexton so low? We're going to get into both of those guys. But first, I want to start with Miles Bridges. Since you were the one that had him at 16, for me, you guys will have to wait to see where I have Miles Bridges. Let me ask you this, Brandon. Why do you got Miles Bridges so low at 16 on your big board 2.0? Well, I think, number one, I want to first start off and say that Miles Bridges is probably one of the best athletes that will be available in in the draft. One of the best athletes. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that he is possibly the best next-level NBA-caliber player in this year's draft. Uh, so you can be one of the best athletes and still not be the best uh, suited for the NBA. And that's not to necessarily say he's not the best suited for the NBA, but I think you're hopefully understanding what I'm saying here, is that he's extremely talented, but with some of his skills, he is limited to what he might be able to do at the next level. So he is not the best ball handler that we're you know we're kind of coming to see, and this could certainly limit his uh, playmaking ability and the types of plays that he's able to make, uh, you know, because of that, uh, and and be able to make it at, at kind of the fullest level. A spot up shooter and a, a straight uh, line driver from the wing, and then you also look at this season; he's struggled creating shots off the dribble, and. When you can't do that, you're not only hurting yourself, but I think that uh, you're also kind of hurting what plays can be happening around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons. Those are a number of the reasons why I think I have him so low. And then the question that I wanted to ask you is, do you think that his year back to college, instead of coming out last year for the uh, NBA when people had him very high, and really regarded him as one of the best players, could be one of the best players coming out, certainly a top 10, all this stuff. And now in a lot of mock drafts that I've looked at, he's he's not close to the top 10. Mm-hmm. And certainly in, in mine, he's he's not close to the top 10 here. Do you think that him staying in college has played a significant role where teams have been able and scouts have been able to take a closer look and certainly I don't think he's having the same season he had last year. Well, that's exactly the case. And it's not necessarily a like, oh, because you stayed, you're having a worse or better season. It's just when you when we only get a season on you, and this is a one and done um thing in general, when you come in and we only get one year on you, we only get one year on you. And you kinda have to make a decision off of that where by staying at college Draft guys and people looking at the draft, analyzing these guys of how they'll be at NBA level, we're getting a second look at you. We're getting also another look at you with a different team that is around you. Like, I mean, the one thing that I think of, and this isn't a comparison I'm trying to make, it's just something that I thought of while you were talking about Miles Bridges, was that, remember Denzel Valentine? Yeah. Remember how hot, like... Not everyone was super high on him, but I loved Denzel Valentine. When he went to the Bulls, I was all over it. I loved him because I'm like, senior leader, ball handler, he's going to bring good things. Hasn't really been what I thought he would be at the NBA next level. He's not going to be a starter like he is right now because the Bulls are bad. 
But once the Bulls figure out their team, he would be a bench player, maybe a sixth man at the best off the bench for Fred Hoiberg and the Bulls. Whereas I'm not saying Miles Bridges is going to be that, but I wonder if that plays into it a little bit with more so seeing him for another year and seeing what they could do. Because like this Michigan State team had not a ton of guys leave last year. They had about you had Galvin Schillings on the team. He was a forward. He's gone. He was gone. Alvin Ellis. These are guys last year when um, Bridges was a freshman who were on the team. No longer there. Van Dyke, Harris, and Carter. So those were the guys. They had quite a few guys leave because of that season. And the big one was Harris. That's 10 points per game that you had to find somewhere else from somebody. And Harris being a guard, kind of a similar ball handling um, style compared to what we're getting now. Or as now when you talk about Michigan State, it's a guy we're going to mention earlier in Jaron Jackson Jr. where he's not handling the ball. He's a four. He's a guy that you got to feed him the ball. When he has the ball, he can do stuff with it. But you're not having Jaron Jackson bring the ball up. So that's something that kind of, I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say I question it, but I want to throw this at you then. What you were talking about with the ball handling, the question that I thought into my head, how big of a negative should we have that? Because nowadays in the NBA, it's not like, oh, you're a point guard, you're the one handling the ball. You've got guys like LeBron James, who's a forward, who can handle the ball. Guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, forward, who can handle the ball. Guys like Ben Simmons, who was drafted not even two years ago, a forward three that is now going to handle the ball. Does Miles Bridges have to be a guy that can handle the ball at the next level to be successful? Yeah, I, I think so. Do, do you consider James Harden to be a point guard? No, I, I would say he's a two. Like, Size-wise, maybe not. He's not a point guard. He's definitely not a point guard. I would say he's a two that can handle the ball, a two-three that can handle the ball. Okay, because the reason I ask that is mm-hmm. because I think most people, especially who are fans of the NBA, saw mm-hmm. exactly what he did the other night yeah. in that dirty move that he put on whoever. I don't know. They're dead now. Was but, that Jamal? Uh, was that the Clippers with Jamal Crawford, where you just put him on skates? I I, I don't know. Uh, I, this this guy sat down. <laughs> this guy literally like and James uh, Harden just that he, and James Harden like looked at him like yep. Whatever. Yeah, not not quite up. sure who it was, but I I think that not to say that every player needs to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. It needs to be able to have ball skills like that and be able to handle the ball that well mm-hmm. to be able to put a move on a defender. But you have to have some level of comfortability with handling the basketball at the NBA level, no matter what number you are on the floor, one through five, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, I don't think. I mean, it, it it matters probably more for one through four than it does for five. Mm-hmm. But even still, I, I think that you're, you're Miles Bridges, and I think you pretty much know you're not going to be a five. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's not gonna, that's not your role. I don't think that's where Miles Bridges would fit anyways. But... Y- because of that, you have to know how to handle the basketball. You have to be comfortable with it. You need to have some level of skill there. And I'm not saying that he doesn't. I'm not saying he has none. But you can clearly tell with what he's done this season uh, that he's not as comfortable doing well, that. I think- like you cannot, you cannot put the 
you know, games down to its final mm-hmm. 10 seconds. I don't think that even Miles Bridges would want to be handling the basketball at that point because I don't think that he would be as comfortable to do that and certainly not being able to create a play off of that. Miles Bridges, I feel like, would be more comfortable with the final shot. Let me stand here. You pass me the ball, and then I take a shot. Yeah. Not a, I'm not going to create. And I think the best way to put it is his perimeter skills. They're just not polished. Like, he's got some skills there. They're just not polished. And I think the best way to put it is I just looked at NBADraft.net, and they put it perfectly. It's not a huge weakness that's going to bring him down, like, to where he's undraftable, but the fact that they put classic tweener to where, and then they go on to say his NBA position remains a big question mark as he's severely undersized to play the post. So meaning you're undersized to be a four in the NBA, but you don't have the perimeter skills at this point to be what we want you to be on the outside. So really for miles bridges, I say it's got to come down to pick one. What do you want to be? What do you want to be at the next level? A post player, because you know, you're undersized at that. You're they have them at six seven two thirty. I know that everyone when you start talking sizes, everyone's got something different. That's what they have them as. Or are you going to say, hey, I'm going to work on those perimeter skills to be that guy for whatever team that drafts me at the next level? I think you've got to be working on your perimeter skills. Mm-hmm. I, I think that if that's I'm, what I would if, say. if I'm Miles Bridges, that's that's what I've. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely what I'm working on because I, I think that he is undersized to to be that that again, like I said, definitely not a five mm-hmm. and a four would really be pushing it. He's more of a perimeter guy, uh, especially when you look forward to the NBA. That's where he's got to be. But that's also why I think he's dropping on a lot of people's boards because he is that tweener, and it's really hard mm-hmm. to put a finger on a guy. And say, okay, he's going to be right here. This is exactly where he's going to be. And blah, blah, blah. And do everything like that when he's not at the size level of what you want for an NBA big guy. But he also doesn't have all the skills of being that solid perimeter player. Mm-hmm. So when you get that tweener, you're really at a crossroads. And you're, at, you're you have a lot of question marks of how... How... What am I? What What do I want to say? How much of it, of an impact does he really make at the next level as a starter? Mm-hmm. As a starter, and and that's that's the question right now. And again, I I really hate to say it because I really like Miles Bridges. I think he's a really good player. And again, you have a lot of really good college players that they don't necessarily translate to really good NBA players. But for Miles Bridges, I I think. You know, Ricky, I, I really do think that him staying another year in college has, has hurt really hurt him because we were not hearing this last year. Mm-hmm. This was not seen. This was not this was really not affecting him at all or plaguing him at all. We we didn't we didn't talk about him like this. We talked mm-hmm. about him in the final segment, talking about how man he's gonna be an impact player for a team. And right now we're just we're just not getting that. Well, and that's I want to move into kind of switch into the guy I had at 16 that people might question why he's so low in Colin Sexton because when I was going through my big board because obviously we're going to have to wait to see how high 
you have Colin Sexton, and spoiler alert, we have the guy that I had at 16, you have him in the similar range that I had the guy that you had at 16. You'll find out where that is later, but I just find that interesting. But with Sexton, maybe it was a little bit of it was the Trey Young to Colin Sexton that we talked about that you guys could see on the channel um, if you guys want to. And for me, I want my point guard to be, if I'm drafting a point guard, I want him to be more like a Trey Young, more of like that can shoot from the perimeter, can pass the ball, can get the ball involved where, like, in today's NBA, I don't want a point guard that is just going to be a slasher. It's not just going to be a guy who slashes to the basket, gets some points, goes to the free throw line. You got to do more than that. And the thing with Colin Sexton that I think of is maybe a little bit is it the compared to Trey Young that he's not the assist guy like Trey Young is. He doesn't have the not saying that he can't shoot the ball, but he's not a three point shooter like Trey Young is, with Trey Young being the volume three point shooter. Also, there are games where I just I look and I go, why are you turning the ball over so much? Like there was a stretch where Kentucky, they lose by 10. He has five turnovers. The win against LSU, yeah, they blew him out. Four turnovers in that one. Also, the the nine-point loss to Missouri had four turnovers. LSU, again, had five turnovers in that game. And I don't want that from my point guard. I want a point guard who's going to take care of the ball, who can score on his own, but is going to get others involved also. That's what I want from the point. And maybe the three ball plays into it as well because of what kind of an NBA we're in right now. You know who you just described? Who? Trey Young. That's exactly who I described. You just described Trey. You just described Trey Young, mm-hmm. but in the negative. Trey Young. I mean, did you see their what was it? Eight game losing streak, mm-hmm. six game losing streak. Turnovers after turnovers after turnovers. They lost those games. Because all they had been doing was relying on Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Trey Young realized that. And that's why his volume was so high. That's why he shot 17 threes a game and made four when they lost. That is Trey Young. What Colin Sexton brings is a little bit more stability. Mm-hmm. Colin Sexton brings more stability, he brings more efficiency. Trey Young brings you spark, excitement, but he brings you a sporadic type of game. And I, do I think that he'll be good in the NBA? I do, because he's not going to be try, trying to handle a load like he is at Oklahoma. But what I want to say with Colin Sexton mm-hmm. is that I think if this guy can continue to get to the free throw line the way that he does, and he can continue to be a consistent scorer the way that he's been a pretty consistent scorer throughout the season, I think if he translates that to the NBA, I think he's going to be a solid point guard. I think he's going to be a solid point guard in the NBA because he's going to be efficient. He's not going to turn the ball over that much. Because uh, really, when you look at Sexton and you look at Young, and I know that we will compare those two because those are the two point guards that we talk about in this draft that we've really talked about all season long. I think Trey Young looks like he is more the turnover machine mm-hmm. than Colin Sexton is. And I want to correct myself really quick. Reading is hard. I was reading the wrong column. In two of those games I mentioned with Colin Sexton, the Kentucky game, he had five fouls, not five turnovers. The five turnovers came the next game against the number 12 Auburn Tigers. 
The LSU game where I said he had five, he actually had nine turnovers in that one. The Mizzou game, he only had one. So I was reading the wrong column for some of those. But here's the thing I want to ask, and this will bring back in the Sexton-Young debate because I don't think we had this aspect of a conversation when we talked about them. One of the big things I have heard about Trey Young, and I kind of believe with this Oklahoma team that I see right now, is all teams in the Big 12 had to do was say, all right, we're going to take you out of the game. Can your team beat us? We are going to swamp you. Can your team beat us? Can we almost say the same thing for Alabama on some sort of a scale that if they take away Colin Sexton, Alabama is not as good of a team. Like if, if people in the SEC were targeting, I'm going to say targeting Trey Young, like we saw in the big 12, can we even use that argument for Trey Young? Cause it can work for both of them that they're that good that, Hey, we limit this guy, take him out of the game, the team can't beat us. Well, I think you could probably have said the same thing for LSU when Ben mm-hmm. Simmons was on the team. I mean, True. when Ben Simmons didn't show up or just chose not to play on a night, you know, LSU was certainly not was going bored. to be. Yeah, because he was bored and he just wanted to go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't blame him, but you can. Um, I, I think it's it's certainly one of those types of situations. I mean, this, the same can be said for, you know, for a lot of different teams. Mm-hmm. When you take away their best player... You just wipe him off the table, and all you have left are crumbs, you know, trying to move the ball around and, and mm-hmm. score points. And their their leader, their scoring leader, their you know floor leader is gone. Yeah, I mean it's it's much easier to then be able to beat that that team and and uh, score on them. So I I, I think that uh, it's probably it's probably similar, but. I don't know. I want to say that Alabama might have a couple more. I feel at least in terms of you know trying to track them a little bit throughout the season, um, outside of you know Colin Sexton is they may have had a little bit more to go on than Oklahoma mm-hmm. did because, I mean the fact that Trey Young was shooting so many threes and just taking so many shots in general, mm-hmm. it showed that clearly either he believed that no one else could do it because they probably couldn't. Or he just had that poor of decision making. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to think that it's probably the first and not the second with Trey Young. But I know we're here on Colin Sexton, and I think that um, you talk about his assist numbers. There's really outside of him and maybe one other guy on Alabama who what's his name Petty or something like mm-hmm. that. They don't have shooters, so to say that his assist numbers are down, I don't think is a necessarily is necessarily a reflection on him as a, a as as an assist guy. I think it's more of a reflection on Alabama as a as a poor overall shooting team. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that this is very small, it's not like oh because of this I had him at sixteen, but just one thing I don't like between the two, and I still don't like it. I think I mentioned this when we talked about Trey Young to Colin Sexton, it bugs me a little bit that you're going to the line for about a... Trey Young goes to the line for about almost nine attempts per game. Um, Colin Sexton goes for about almost eight per game. And Trey Young is shooting 85% from the line, almost 86%. And Colin Sexton is shooting 77% from the line. That's something, though, with me, any player 
that has a poor free throw percentage, and yes, yeah, 70% for me is poor. There is nobody in front of you. Yeah. You want to be an NBA player, you should make that shot with nobody in front of you. Um, but like I said, that's not like one of the sole reasons that he's down at 16 for me. Last thing I want to mention, this is going into a guy that you've got a lot higher than I do, a guy that you wanted to talk about, actually. Tell me a little bit of what you like about Kyrie Thomas, the guard from Creighton. Well, what I like about him, it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with his offense, Mm -hmm. but more to do with how much of an elite defender he is. And the reason why I have him in the spot that I do is because I feel like the NBA really is at a point, yes, it's an offensive-minded and offensive-geared league, there needs to be more defenders. There needs mm-hmm. to be more guys who know how to run the floor and play defense and don't just allow the ball to be kicked up top with no one out there and be like, hmm, I wonder when he's going to shoot it. Let me turn around and wait for the ball to <laughs> come into my hands. You know, I, we need more defenders in the NBA, mm-hmm. and guys like Kyrie Thomas are going to be valued higher because of that, I think. Now, could I be completely wrong? Yeah, and I probably am. But I really like him. I think he's a legitimate uh, perimeter stopper uh, defensively. He he knows how to work the floor. And on defense, he really knows how to follow a guy. So I think that that's, that's going to be very much so valued, um, even though he does know how to play offensively and he can shoot the three well I think that his defense is going to be what really gets people excited about him it's what got me excited about him um, and scouts as well being able to report back uh, to to their teams defense 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 and for the team for the NBA team that needs that defender that that defensive piece that's going to help put them into the playoffs or carry them from the playoffs to the finals whatever it may be that's your guy well and the guy let me really look this up two seconds i got to get a height comparison just to see if i'm in the right ballpark here with Kyrie Thomas the guy that i want to compare what he can bring to an NBA team. You know what? He's actually taller and eh, no, he's not. He's shorter than this guy and he's about a little bit. But the thing that I was thinking about, so he's about four inches shorter than the guy in the NBA that I'm thinking about. But you know who you were kind of describing to me? And as I was looking at Kyrie Thomas on my computer, you, you want to know who he reminded me of from the Golden State Warriors? Clay Thompson. A guy who... Like, Kyrie Thomas is not going to be the guy you draft, obviously, to be the main guy on your team. He's not going to be the all-star on the—well, t- could be an all-star, maybe, but he's not going to be that guy that's like, he's our number one, he's the future, he's our LeBron James kind of player. He can be a guy that, hey, you know what? Let's put him at the two. He'll be our defensive guy. Like, a team that drafts him, and the great thing about— Kyrie Thomas, especially for me in the range that I have him with 20, if I go off a tankathon the night that we're recording this on Monday, that means at 20, he's going to be drafted by, if he goes at 20, that'd be the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, Tom Thibodeau would love him. Tom Thibodeau would love a defensive stopper at the two. But like any of the teams after that, San Antonio, playoff team, the Blazers, usually in the playoffs, 
the Celtics playoff team, Warriors playoff team. Like, there are some playoff teams that he, even the Bulls, I would love if the Bulls got them. At 25, they're sitting right now because the Pelicans are winning so much. But that's the thing I think of is defense is your calling card, but you're no slouch on offense. No, he's he's not. And in 31 games this mm-hmm. season has averaged 15.5 points per game. Mm-hmm. That's over three points better than what he did last season. And that was in 35 games with 34 games started. I mean, he's shooting over... 50% from the floor close to, close to mm-hmm. 50 55% from the field that's really impressive from 3 shooting 42 and a half percent his offensive numbers are really good but his defense might be better no and, and i think that that's that's what's going to make him shine and stand out to an nba team because again, I I truly feel the NBA as much as it's offensive mm-hmm. cannot forget that it needs to be able to play some defense to be able to win a championship. And I know that's cliche, and people are going to be like, "Oh gosh, he said it." But seriously, they cannot get away from that too much. And going with Kyrie Thomas, whoever gets him is going to be one lucky bastard. And for those of you guys on YouTube, don't be alarmed that you're seeing the logo right now. That's on me. Forgot to. Uh, Stop us so I could start a new thing on the camera. So we'll let this roll out with the logo until we get to the next segment. But the, yeah, you know, with Kyrie, the only thing that I wanted to ask you as a kind of final kibosh on him, the only negative that I can really see that's like, okay, maybe that's something we look at is so he's got the defense. Like the thing that's most impressive, he's 6'3, but he's got a wingspan of 6'10. He's got like seven more inches on that wingspan, really long arms. Career 40% shooter from beyond the arc in three. However, because he's 6'3", a little undersized for the shooting guard position, will that be enough of a weakness for teams to pass on him? Or will a team go, you know what, I don't care about that. He brings too much to the table, and he can be a guy we play at the two, but we put him defensively on the number ones for other teams like Clay Thompson does. That's he has too much positive, too mm-hmm. much in the positive category. Too much potential. To have a size mm-hmm. overshadow it. Yeah. He, he's just he's just got too many good things going for him and too much potential like you said. That's for an NBA team to just go, nah, I don't think so. We're going to pass over him. They either are really really set mm-hmm. or really really stupid. Well, and this is where you guys come in. Let us know. What do you think of some of the guys we talked about? What do you think of some of the guys in our 16 to 25? And who would you have in your 16 to 25? Let us know down below in the comment section. But, Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And, hey, YouTube guys, you can see us again. I mean, for you guys watching in segments, you're probably like, what are you talking about? But if you're watching full podcast on YouTube, we're back. The logo's not there. We're back doing the second segment. We're going six through 15 brandon let's start with number 15 for yours take us through your six through 15 starting at number one five all right at 15 i've got troy brown forward from oregon at 14 i've got robert williams forward slash center from texas a&m at 13 i've got Kyrie thomas guard from creighton i've got lonnie walker guard from miami at 12 at 11, I've got Wendell Carter Jr., forward slash center from the Dukies. At 10, I've got Mikel Bridges, guard from Villanova. At 9, I've got Kevin Knox, forward Kentucky. 
At eight, Jaron Jackson Jr., forward from Michigan State. At seven, I've got Colin Sexton, guard from Alabama. And at six, I've got Trey Young, guard from Oklahoma. And let's just get right into mine. We're going to start a little bit with that Trey Young because we just talked about Colin Sexton. But let me go through mine first. At number 15, I've got Daniel Gafford, the center, from the Arkansas Razorbacks. Then at number 14, Robert Williams, the 4-5 from the Texas A&M Aggies. Number 13, Troy Brown, the forward from the Quack Quack Oregon Ducks. At number 12, same guy Brandon had, Lonnie Walker, the guard from Miami, Florida. At number 11, the same guy Brandon had, Wendell Carter Jr., the 4-5 from the Duke Blue Devils. Number 10, again, oh no, you changed it. I thought we had the same one, but Jaron Jackson Jr., forward from MSU at 10. Then at number 9, Kevin Knox, the forward from the Kentucky Wildcats. Number 8, Marvin Bagley third, the forward center from Duke. Number 7, Mikhail Bridges, the guard from Villanova. And then rounding out this segment of the podcast, number 6, we just talked about him in the first segment, Miles Bridges, the forward from Michigan State. And the first guy I want to go into... We kind of mentioned him a little bit in the first segment because we were talking about Colin Sexton. Let's talk about Trey Young a little bit. You've got him at six, obviously, because he was not in last segment and this segment. He's in my top five. That's process of elimination. What put like take me through the process that you have Trey Young outside the top five, but still ahead of Colin Sexton. Take me through your thought process a little bit. Well, so outside the top five, because I think that there's enough in the side of when we've seen Trey Young at his best, it's Mm -hmm. like, whoa, watch out. This guy's really, really good. But when we've seen him at his worst, it's like, okay, this guy, you know, would struggle against some high schoolers. Um, And maybe that's a bit dramatic and it probably is. But when he's good, he's good. When he's bad, he's bad. Mm -hmm. And that's why... His really good and his really bad put him right outside of the of the top five. It's a little yin and yang with him. A little bit, a little bit. And that's, I think, what has been all season long for Trey Young. So as good of an offensive team that he has made Oklahoma this season, Oklahoma has lived and died not by the three. They've lived and died by Trey Young. Mm-hmm. If Trey Young plays well, Oklahoma usually seems to play well and win. If... Trey Young does poorly, Oklahoma tanks. Mm-hmm. You know, they will really struggle. But even in the games where Trey Young put up a lot of points, that didn't mean, that did not mean that Trey Young played well. When you put up 38 points off of 36 shots, you know, that's not good. Uh, but it looks good for the only if you're only talking point totals. You know, he he cannot he cannot continue to shoot like that but he won't he will not shoot that much come nba cuz he won't be asked to he won't have to do that and if he's lucky he 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 won't probably be be lucky like this but if he's lucky enough to go to a team that's like a golden state warriors mm-hmm. where and i'm not saying he's going to golden state cuz that's not going to happen yeah. but a team that's kind of set up where you've you've got you've got your um, Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. you've got your Kevin Durant, you've got your Steph Curry. You already have a lot of pieces in place. 
And you're just going to come in and slot in, not into a, a secondary role, but you're going to come in, you're going to have, you're going to play your role, you're going to know it, but you're not going to be leaned on to be everything for the team, which mm-hmm. is exactly what he is right now with Oklahoma. Well, and, and that's why I think that he's he's good and he's such a he's such a playmaker, he's such an explosive player when he is on. And I think we're going to see more of that in the NBA because he'll be on more often because there's not going to be such a load on him. And that's where I'm looking. I'm looking to where he will be mm-hmm. and putting him in this spot. Well, and that's why I that's just what wanna... I'm that's what I'm thinking about. And Colin Sexton, as as much as I think Colin Sexton is a really good player, Trey Young brings more spark mm-hmm. and more livelihood. As more efficient as Colin Sexton, I think, is Trey Young brings more excitement. Well, and one of the things I want to throw out, referencing back to the fast break with the mock draft that we recently did, all three of us, Sean, Dave, and myself, all had Trey Young going to the Orlando Magic at number five when that's how the draft order set out that night. And with that one, that'd be a team, they've got Aaron Gordon, they've got Vucevic, they've got Evan Fournier, they wouldn't have to lean just on him. And that's the biggest problem. And that's why in the last segment I kind of asked that about Colin Sexton compared to Trey Young because I don't think, like I said, I don't think we talked about that when we had our Sexton-Young discussion of like my first go-to and maybe it's my defense mechanism when it comes to Trey Young because I'll be honest I'm a Trey Young fan I like Trey Young when he's at his best he's high like he's electrifying he's high fine he's a PTP or a primetime player that's what I get up for that's what I get excited about Dickie V would even get excited for that I think he has this season but I think because of that maybe a little bit it's easy to defend, like, the oh, well, they just shut him down and he doesn't have a team around him. That's why I asked the question with Colin Sexton. Well, does he really have a better team around him than Trey Young? In the NBA, if Trey Young at first isn't looked at as, like, the main focal point and, like, without you, we live or die, he'll be fine. He will be absolutely fine. Everything that I see on the court from him... That's what I want in today's point guard in the NBA. A guy who can shoot from range, a guy who can facilitate no matter whether it's driving to the basket or not, even with the ridiculous passes that he sometimes has. Like the one I like to mention where drives all the way around the baseline, throws it like this, back of his head not even looking, finds his power forward right there under the basket for the easy for the easy bucket. I mean, Trey Young, as it has been put, is a great blend of shooting, mm-hmm. playmaking, and energy. Obviously, we know he's a great shooter, but his playmaking ability to create plays off the dribble, to find guys, you know, m- mid dribble, driving to the hoop, planning on shooting it, mm-hmm. and like you said, just dishes it right off. To know that, to have that court awareness, that's that's a huge thing. You know, that's a that's something that at the next level they're going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for him to make many of those plays. Mm-hmm. And then his energy. He does bring a ton of energy with him. You know, when you're shooting threes like that and you're making threes like that a lot of the time, that's going to get you energized and then you get everyone else up. And to be able to then feed off of the fans, feed off of your teammates, and, and Trey Young does that, and he's he's brought that a lot for Oklahoma this season, which makes him a very exciting and fun player to watch. 
he really is a perfect mix and blend of those three things of shooting, of playmaking, and of energy. And, and certainly you can put energy slash excitement mm-hmm. there because that's exactly what he's brought. But I will say, if Trey Young ends up in a te- at a team, on a team rather, where he has to be the focal point, he will not survive. No, he, he will not. And that's the thing. Like I'm, I was just reading some of the weaknesses that NBA Draft Net has about him, and it's funny. I chuckled in my head because I see like, oh, he's undersized. He's going to have a hard time finishing at the rim at the next level. Um, what was another one that they mentioned that made me laugh? Because everyone I look, oh yeah, he's going to be off. Although he is good offensively. He is a near liability on defense, somebody that opposing teams are going to attack when they're on offense. And I'm reading these things, and the more I read them, the more I go, yeah, that's all the negatives we said about Steph Curry, and look at what he's doing. Now, I'm not saying that Trey Young next Steph Curry. I've been on that boat. They've said that we got to wait and see how he progresses. Let's not crown his ass kind of a thing. However, it's funny when I see stuff like that, and it's like negative, 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 but it can work at the next level. And the thing that I think of, and this is kind of me going into the crafting situation with how many picks they had, you know, it would actually be a good situation for both the team and Trey Young. Right now, as we're recording this, the Atlanta Hawks sit at number five, where all three, Sean, Dave, and myself, had Trey Young going. Take Trey Young in the top five. Then, I mean, he would have to fall a little bit. Um, Actually, no. The way Tankathon has it here, Kyrie Thomas, they have him at 28. Atlanta picks up a Kyrie Thomas at 23. There you go. Our offensive stud at the one. Our defensive shutdown at the two. We have our version of what we're like. We're going to go with Clay and Steph. Like, it all depends on what team he's on, what players you put around him. He's not going to be the focal point if he's going to succeed. One guy I do want to mention, though, and I want to move into, guy that I had a little lower, and I'm starting to lose a little hype on him as we move closer and closer to the end of the season. You obviously have him in your top five because you haven't said his name to this point. But I've got Marvin Bagley at eight outside of my top five. And with Marvin Bagley, the thing I want to ask you is, do you think because of we've compared him to or kind of versed him to DeAndre Ayton because of what we've seen from Mo Bamba, although he's been hurt as of late, the kind of hype we're seeing from Mo Bamba. I know Sean has bitten in on that hype full steam ahead that choo-choo train is going chugga chugga choo-choo all the way into the nfl draft what are your thoughts on marvin bagley you have him in the top five i got him at number eight well i i think that there's really not been anything to have me put marvin bagley outside of the top five Mm -hmm. i mean outside of you know he had a, a a time where he was injured and you know with his knee and you question that and it then it's one of, and I don't want it to be one of those things, but I feel like whenever a guy gets injured and he's not out for just one game, he's out for multiple games, you go, and it's a knee. Mm-hmm. You're kind of wondering, um, and you, you don't okay, mess around, man. You don't mess you around good? with that knee. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, just ask Greg Oden. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you really want to make sure that he's good and it, there really is no 
no serious issue and there's no lingering effects of anything because the worst thing is a lingering knee issue um Mm -hmm. you know or or just a really lingering injury in in general what knee ankle back whatever it is but he really hasn't done anything to 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 in my opinion for me to put him outside of the top five i mean the guy's averaging a double double he's been consistently solid for duke you take him away and duke is very inconsistent mm-hmm. um, because if you're just then looking at Grayson Allen, what Grayson Allen's able to do, and I mean even with some of the other guys that are around him, they're they're not as good as what Marvin Bagley has been. Mm-hmm. They're they're certainly I mean and they're they're able to feed off of what Marvin Bagley is able to do, and and again Marvin Bagley is. I mean, it's, obviously he's 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 the right size, he's lanky, he's the right type of build. I, I think that he very much will be a good NBA player at the next level, but I think that you know a lot of people. I I don't really know why a lot of people have started to come off of Marvin Bagley. You know, there's always going to be things that a player can do better. Mm-hmm. And again, as a scout, your job is to find things wrong, I think. Mm-hmm. That's probably part of your part that's part of your job. What can I find wrong here? Because if I no longer can find anything wrong, then we're set and you know, this is a player to to go after. But I wouldn't say that, you know, Mo Mo Bamba, he's a good player. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton, a good player. But I don't think that any one of them I would be, whoa, they're so much better than this other guy. Mm-hmm. No, and we have no idea. All three of these big guys could all be busts. They could. I mean, literally, they could. I don't think that's going to happen, but they could. No one they could ex- all they could all end up getting in there and just being huge flops mm-hmm. and everyone goes, Well, hopefully there's some good ones next year and we move along. And I know this name I'm going to throw out there. It's only been one year, so don't kind of jump on me right away, but just look at this year with Markel Fultz. How excited were people? Oh, he got drafted by the 76ers. This is great, and look at what he's been this year. Like it, That's one year. Greg Oden, like I mentioned, how many people thought that he was going to have the issues that he had? The knee injury, I will say, whenever it's the knee and whenever it's a big man, I kind of go... All right, let's put a question there. Let's put a question there. Let's keep an eye on it. And we had and we had to with Bagley mm-hmm. a little bit because he wasn't coming back. Yeah, and he wasn't coming back. Well, and now I mean now he's back, but you know it's it's one of those things where you're like like I said when I first started talking about mm-hmm. him, you have to be a little bit concerned when there's an injury that's holding out a guy for more than one game. Well, and my big. To me, my big kind of worry with Bagley, because when I kind of talk you guys through what I was thinking about with the big board, I knew right away that when it came to the bigs, although I know Bagley's probably going to be a power forward in the NBA, not a center, when it came to the bigs, I knew that Aiton was going to be my one, Bamba was going to be my second big off the board, and then it was a question for me of who's the third? Jaron Jackson Jr., Marvin Bagley. Obviously, I sat with Marvin Bagley, so that was the first discussion I had in my head. Second discussion I had is, all right, where does he go? All right, this guy's there, that guy's there, but then even in this range. All right, I'm going to put Miles Bridges at six. I kind of like Mikhail Bridges above him. And then I really had a thought of between eight and nine. Do I put Kevin Knox in front of him? Do I leave 
Marvin Bagley where he is at eight. Eventually, I settled on leaving him at eight, but it was more of a where he is on the rankings of what guys do I like better than him. And the big reason why I think that is you look at most of the guys above him in no particular order. You got Michael Porter Jr. You've got Mo Bamba. You've got Trey Young. You've got Doncic. You've got Aiton, Bridges, Mikhail, well, Miles Bridges, Mikhail Bridges. All of those seven guys, I know what they are going to be. Like, I like what they bring to the table. Bridges is the only one that I'm going to put the question mark by. Um, but everyone except for Miles Bridges, I know what they're going to be at the next level. Mikhail Bridges is kind of like the same thing we talked about with Kyrie Thomas. Has the offense, great defensively, can be like that at the two, can be a role like a Clay Thompson-like role for a team that drafts him. We know what Trey Young's going to be. We know what Don is going to be. Bamba, Aiton, um, Michael Porter Jr. With Bagley... I it's I know what role in here I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a four in the NBA. But how is he going to transition from I dominate in college to not dominating in the NBA? Because although he does have the size and the frame, wingspan's a little smaller, I don't think it's going to be as easy of a road in the NBA as it is in college. Like, I use the Texas game as an example. Mo Bamba's out there. All right, Marvin Bagley has to work a little bit. As soon as Bamba goes off the floor, free reign for Marvin Bagley. It ain't going to be like that in the NBA. They're a bigger, they're a bigger, stronger beast when you get to the pro game compared to the college game. And actually looking at it, I actually like the pro comparison that I see right here in front of me from, yet again, NBADraft.net. I'm using them again. Chris Bosh. If he could be a Chris Bosh player of like, I'm going to be that stretch four and hey, I can handle the ball to drive into the basket. I can be under the basket to put it in, but I can even stretch out and shoot a longer jumper, shoot a three pointer. That would be beneficial. I just don't see that from him. Like, it's a lot of with Bagley, it's not of what you're getting right now. It's looking into that glass and going, what can I, it's like, the best way I'm going to put it is you're not looking at Marvin Bagley like this masterpiece of art on the wall to where it's already finished, you know what you're getting. You're looking at him as that mound of clay and you're going, what can I, what can my coaching staff shape him into? That's the difference between him compared to like a DeAndre Ayton and even maybe a Mo Bamba. Yeah, there's plenty of room to grow for Marvin Bagley, as you know. Some have said, you know, his his jump shot can be flat at times. Mm-hmm. His defense has, uh, you know, can can grow, and he's got room to grow there. He certainly is not a finished product, and that's that's almost exciting because because mm-hmm. you the get fact to see of him where grow. The, well the and, and where the fact of where he is right now, mm-hmm. which already is pretty good. I mean, he's a solid player. Again, like I said, you take him away from Duke, and they're not the same team. But knowing that he can get better, he can get stronger, he can and will be more physical, I think that's that's going to be something exciting for for a team knowing what they have right now, which already is a good product, but what could be a great product once their coaches, their staff is working with them and they're seeing him grow into a what will be, a, I think, a, a good NBA player. One thing I want to bring in this will be the last guy we look at, kind of moving over from Bagley to a guy that... 
yet again, I said I had a little bit of a discussion of which one was going to be three and four on my big man rankings. What do you think of Jaron Jackson? There, To me, it's been split. I'm not high on Jaron Jackson. However, you ask a guy like Dave how high he is on Jaron Jackson, he's really high. Thinks he's a top five pick, three pick in the NBA draft. Wow, that's really way up there. Um, so Dave J- had him at three to the Mavericks in our last mock draft. Well, Jaron Jackson has made some some good strides throughout the season, and he's gotten better. Uh, and he's certainly he's certainly one of the best, I think, shot blockers mm-hmm. um, in all of college basketball. He's got a nice touch with his shot. He's able to play really strong defense. He's a solid all-around player. Now, do I think that there's better guys out there? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he's probably one of the top guys that you talk about. I mean, if you're talking about the top five centers or or forward slash centers, mm-hmm. he's probably making the list. But is he the number one? Is he the number two? I don't think so. I don't think so. But he's good. He's really good. And I mean, I could see why why Dave puts him there. Mm-hmm. You know, a big guy who's got a nice shot, good defense. I get it, but I still think that it's going to be somebody else. But he's 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 certainly in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he's grown throughout the season. Where he started at the beginning of the season is certainly not the player that he is now. He's better. The thing that I, when it comes to Jaron Jackson, the reason why I had to put him under Bagley and really couldn't put him much higher than I did at, what, I've got him at 9 just to double check? No, 10. I have Kevin Knox in between him and Bagley. The thing that I look at with Jaron Jackson is he's got some tools and he checks some boxes. Like The whole thing that we're going to get into, of course, when we do the NFL big board is... The whole thing I heard through Combine Weekend. Ah, it's just checking boxes. All right, just checking boxes. Got to check the boxes. Got to check the box. Did you check the boxes? Check the boxes. I could probably tally a million tallies around this room with how many times I heard the phrase, check the boxes, or checking boxes, or something about boxes being checked. I don't know where the boxes are. I don't know why they're not checked, but we got to check those boxes. Point is, Jaron Jackson does that. However, he's not quite great in like one or two areas. It's like, oh, he's got the speed to be a rim protector. Yeah, but he's not a physical guy and he shies away from physical contact. Okay. Oh, but he's really good from like his lengths to help him finish. Yet again, shies away from contact. Oh, but like I said, he's good at de- like he's a rim protector with speed. Yeah, but his fundamentals aren't there. Like you get what I'm saying like He's got the potential to be like the mold is there. Like it's there. It's just like I got to take the puzzle pieces. Like I dump the puzzle pieces onto the table. The picture's there. But me as an NBA coach, I got to make the picture. I got to go ahead and put the pieces together into one to make you better. And this is a prime example of I want to ask you, could this be a Miles Bridges situation of I'm not saying he's going to stay. But right now, people high on Jaron Jackson, let's say he did stay for another year and we had a second year of film on him, would we look at him like a Miles Bridges where it's like, maybe we thought, maybe we were putting the, the carriage in front of the horse last year. The the, And it's not just because he's a Michigan State guy. The fact that 
if a player, he's a fr- obviously he's a freshman yeah. this year. Only one year. Of if film. he stays, or if I don't think he is, but Aiton yeah. stays, or mm-hmm. if Bamba stays, or if any player with a name stays, mm-hmm. they will find more things about them, good mm-hmm. and bad. That's what we're finding with Miles Bridges. That's just what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If Miles Bridges would have come out last year, would have been a top 10 pick. Would have been a top 10 pick. Would we have maybe found some of these things out once he's in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Sure, but at that point, he's getting paid. He would have, yeah, got paid. That's going to happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody. Anybody stays. There's always the risk. That's why guys they want to come out as quickly as they possibly can, especially when Before people are talking find those really ne- yeah. highly about them. Because not that they think, oh, I've got this hidden bad thing about me, you know, this this uh, this negative about me to my game that I know that they'll find. It's not happening. But they know what scouts do, and scouts will find something. They will nitpick as they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But that's going to happen to anybody. It doesn't matter what your name is, who you are, whatever. They'll find something. They will find something. You know, I mean, it, 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 you know, you could go back to Michael Jordan. They'd find something. No, they he, would. You know, his, he, he did not stick his tongue out of the right side of his mouth when he was <laughs> dribbling the basketball down the floor. You know, they will, they will find something. So I, I think that the longer you stay, the more you'll be scrutinized and obviously the, the uh, less... Uh, time you spend in college, the less they're able to look at you and the quicker they need to make a decision mm-hmm. on whether or not you're going to be good in five years. So let me ask you this. If we're looking at Jaron Jackson right now, how do you think, first off, you, I'm trying to look at, remind me again where you had him because I just closed the tab on our big board. Uh, let me see. I had Jaron Jackson at eight. At eight. You had Jackson at eight. I had Bagley at eight. To end the segment, I'm going to ask you a really quick rapid fire for only you. Give me a prediction years down the line. Who's going to be a better pro in the NBA, you think, Jaron Jackson or Marvin Bagley? Like five years down the line. If they're both drafted this year in the NBA draft. Look into that crystal ball for me, B. Let's see. You know, I, that's really tough. I really hate it when you give me questions like this, and I say it all I the time. I saw the look on your face, and I'm like, I did it again? You always do it. it I hate him. it. I'm going to start doing that to you. Um, I can't I, I, I can't with complete certainty mm-hmm. say, but I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to say, uh, I hate you so much. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna go with Bagley. That's who I was gonna. Go I, with. I'm gonna go with Bagley and say that it's gonna be him. I looked. The, what I was doing is I was mm-hmm. looking at Jaron Jack and, and and Bagley, and I was looking at you know their their numbers against each other in terms of their height, mm-hmm. their weight. They're both six Almost eleven. Identical. They're five five pounds off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I go with Bagley because I just I think that there's. More potential with Bagley. Mm -hmm. Because, again, what we're seeing right now, I think Bagley's better than Jackson right now. Mm -hmm. And there's, I think there's far more potential with Bagley if he gets there. Now, again, it's got to be if he gets there. But I think if you – I'm looking at my crystal ball, which doesn't always work. um, 
I'm going to go with Bagley for five years down the line because I'm going to hope that he's then come into the player that we hope and expect him to be and that a team will be taking him at. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think about 6 through 15 down below in the comment section. But, Brandon, let's move on into 1 through 5, and let's just get started. 1 through 5, we're going to talk about most of these prospects because there's only 5 of them to dissect instead of 10 in our rankings. Finish out our big board, B. Give us your 5 through 1. At 5, I've got Michael Porter Jr., forward from Mizzou. At four, I've got Mo Bamba, center from Tejas. At three, I've got Luka, Luka Doncic, uh, guard, uh, international. At two, I've got Marvin Bagley the third forward slash center from Duke. And at number one, I've got DeAndre Ayton, center from Arizona, rolling in the dough, thanks to Sean Miller. Well, I'm just kidding. Going right into my top five. Number five, Trey Young, the guard from Oklahoma Boomer Sooner. Then at number four, Luka Doncic, the guard from overseas. Number three, Mohamed Bamba, the center from the Texas Longhorns. Then at number two, MPJ the forward from the Mizzou Tigres, and then at number one, DeAndre Aton, the center from Arizona. I know it's Aiden. I just wanted to say it like Aton from the Arizona Wildcats. And Brandon, I want to start with Michael Porter Jr., mainly because I'm looking at an article right now, signs point to Michael Porter Jr. playing in the SEC tournament. I want to ask you a question that Sean asked Dave and I on the fast break. What does Michael Porter need to do in the conference tournament and potentially the NCAA tournament to improve his dra- to not just improve draft stock again, but reassure us that he could be the number one on our big board after playing in the tournament? I think he's got to do exactly what he did to get himself there. Um, you know, it's that smooth shooting. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, strong perimeter shooting from him. I think that those are the types of things that he needs to be able to do to hold his spot and possibly move up if he wants to do that. And if they could, you know, win a couple of games because of what he's done Does for he, them, do they that's have to win help. a couple of games? Do they have to go far in the conference tournament? Do they have to go no, far? They don't. In the they, don't they don't. Have, they don't have. They don't have to go far. They don't have to win a game. Okay. But if he plays well and they lose, it doesn't matter for mm-hmm. him. In terms of where his stock is, he's. It, it doesn't matter if a team wins or a team loses. If you have a really good player on a losing team who keeps that team going, who is the reason that team wins, mm-hmm. you know, or the reason that team was even in the game, that's all you need. I mean, that's that's all that matters for that player and for that player's stock. If they win, it's a plus. It's a bonus. Because then you can see, hey, this this player is so good that he helps carry his team mm-hmm. to the victory and down the line and a, and a, a scout and an NBA team is going to look at that and go, hey, we'd like that. We'd like we'd like that because we currently don't have it because we lose all the time. No, so I, I think that that's something that definitely he needs to do, but he just needs to do what he did to get himself mm-hmm. at this spot this high, and that's go out there and be the polished player he is. And another reason why I asked you that is you have him at five, I have him at two. I am unchanged on the Michael Porter Jr. Um, train ever since it left the station in our first big board um, way back when we did it. I had eight at one. 
I had Porter at two. The only thing that changed was my three through five in this segment. And with Michael Porter Jr., the only thing he needs to do to be the number one prospect to me is exactly what you said. Just do what you do. Yeah. Like, lead the team, score buckets, maybe show some defense. I know in the small sample size, the defense probably wasn't the grade A of his game, but just show us that when we were coming in thinking that you were going to be the greatest player in college basketball this year, that you are going to do that. And if he does that and just plays consistently and plays like we saw earlier before this season, then in the 3.0 that we do after the conference term or after the NCAA, almost said NAIA, NCAA tournament, then he'll be number one for 3.0 and beyond. The biggest thing for Michael Porter Jr. for me Mm -hmm. is come out of the game feeling really good yeah, and then saying that. And don't get re-injured. That's what I'm saying is that if he comes out of the game feeling really good, feeling Mm -hmm. strong, feeling like the the back is really strong, Mm -hmm. doing really good, it's like, it's like I never injured it, you know, whatever he's saying. It's not, And it's not say it to say it. Don't say it if you're in excruciating pain. Say it and feel it. Say it and feel it mm-hmm. and mean it. And if he can do that, then that's really reassuring to, to a team because they know then, okay, this guy is good, he's back, he's feeling good, and he's feeling like the player he was before he was injured. So that's, that's one of the, I think, one of the most important things is come out of the game, don't re-injure it, don't re-aggravate Come out healthy, feeling good, and 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 looking good, playing well. And same thing we did kind of in last week's podcast when I talked about the Big Ten Conference Tournament. With Mizzou, just in the SEC Conference Tournament, they will get a bye in the first game, so they won't have to play anybody. Then they'll play the winner of Georgia and Vanderbilt. If we go and avoid upsets, it'll be Georgia in that game. Could be a sneaky one, but you win that one, then they get to play Kentucky, you win that one, potentially you could see either Auburn, who's the number one seed in that tournament, Alabama, which has Colin Sexton, or Texas A&M, who has Robert Williams. Then if you go to the championship, you could play anybody, but most likely a Tennessee, a Florida, maybe even a Arkansas if there's an upset in there. So there are teams even in the conference tournament that Porter can have not just consistent, but have good performances against and could improve his stock. Well, not see, that's the thing. Like, I feel bad saying that. I feel bad saying improve his stock because to me, the stock, even, even with him being injured, the stock hasn't gone anywhere. It's kind of like with me, where if I had the cojones, I'd put him at number one, but I don't. I just don't have the stones to do it. <laughs> However, well, I'll put him at two and let him prove to me that he's number one again. Well, you said that he, you, did you? So where where do you have him right now? I got him at two. You've got him at, at two. You've got him at two. Where did you have him when we started? Two. Okay. So Aiton and Porter have not changed. So I had him at six mm-hmm. when we started, and he didn't do anything, and he found a way to move up. So he's now at five. But two, that's all. That's also to because be honest, that's also Trae because of, of changing some people around mm-hmm. for me. But he 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 was able to move up a spot. So again, it's. He's not in a spot, though, Ricky. He's not yeah. in, like, the 20s where he no, needs yeah. to really improve. No. No, he's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's most likely going to be a top 10, possibly a top 5 pick. Let's be completely As honest. long as, you know, nothing dramatic, like he gets injured, that would be just god-awful. Mm-hmm. Well, Hopefully that does not happen at all. But that would be, like, worst-case scenario where he would just 
plummet. But Com- I don't see it happening. Comparing your 1.0 to your 2.0, Bagley was at 1. Now it's DeAndre Ayton. Bagley's at your 2. Number 3, you still have Luka. They're right at the 3. And then basically Bamba and Porter moved up because Trey Young moved down. That's how your kind of yeah. rankings went up. Yeah. Because Trey Young moved down, Bamba and Porter moved up. That put him into the top five. With me, he stayed one. He stayed two to Aiton's one. The guy that moved up in mine, he was, where did I have him? I had him at seven in my 1.0. Now I got him at number three. He's number four on yours, Mo Bamba. He's been hurt the last two games, I believe, with a sprained toe. What are you thinking about Mo Bamba? The question that I want to ask you is, when it comes to Mo Bamba, is there something there, or is this all hype for the guy who basically has the huge wingspan? And like Sean posted on Twitter uh, for when the fast break topics for the one week that he jumped so high to block a shot, he met the ball at the top of the square on the backboard. That's how high he can reach with that. What do you think, though? Is there something really there? Or in the end, is it just going to be all hype with Mo Bamba? No, there's something real there. Uh, You know, his length and his mobility, uh, what he's able to do, especially working the baseline, I think Mm -hmm. that that's really impressive. Uh, We've seen it. I mean, we've seen it with a number of blocks that he's done. I Mm -hmm. mean, you you talk about a rim protector. He's a rim protector. Yeah. Um, He does a really great job with that. But he also is a guy that... He has the potential to be a very strong defender, and I, I think like a very strong defender. And then, not to say that people will forget about his offense, but it'll be the defense that people are like, "Whoa, that's great! He's a really good defender." And they're like, "His offense is pretty good, but he's a really good defender." And I think that that's kind of where he is: is that he doesn't need to be an elite scorer, but if he turned into be a guy who was, you know, putting in some some good points each and every night and then being able, as he's tested his hand at the three-point shooting as well, if he could add that in, Mo Bamba turns into a really good player at the next level. But again, as we said with Marvin Bagley, there is a lot of potential there. He's mm-hmm. not done. What you see now is not what you're going to see in five years. You're the hope is that you're going to see a finished or close to finished product and a really good basketball player. And that's why I don't think with Mo Bamba you're going to be getting um I don't think you're going to be getting a guy who's overhyped. I think the mm-hmm. hype is probably right at where it should be because he offers a whole lot. Again, I mean the 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 you know top plays that he's made defensively and then certainly the top plays he's made offensively as well. It has made people really get excited about him because of what he is right now and then what they know he could be in the future. So, okay, I'm going to read some stats to you. Ready? Sure. I'm going to ask you, there's player A and player B. Who do you want first? Player about, A or player B? How about player B? Player B. So these are both college stats. Player B has 14.2 points per game. About 4.7 blocks per game, 10.4 rebounds per game, shoots 15, he shoots, um, yeah, 15% from beyond the arc, shoots 65% from two. That's player uh, one. What was beyond the arc? It's 150 is his percentage from 0. 0.150. 15%. Is his percentage from three. Here's player A. 
13 points per game, about 3.8 blocks per game, 10.6 rebounds per game. So he's got less blocks, less points, but just a little bit more rebounds. Has a better three-point shooting percentage at 26, 26.5% and shoots about 53% from the entire field. Who would you go with? Player A or player B if you had to make a pick? They're both big men, both play the same position. I'm going with player B. Mm-hmm. And by going with player B, I think I picked Marvin Bagley. You did not. No, I didn't. You picked a guy who, I'll give you a hint, Okay. he's in the NBA right now. Oh! He won a national championship. I thought you were going both no. college players. Well, no, these, these were his college stats. That okay, I, I thought you were going current college yeah, players. Yeah, no, 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 no. This see, was his see, college stats. you, you stat. have to set rules before you play these games. <laughs> so this guy was a national champion, a Wooden Award winner, put some respect on it, a <laughs> Naismith Award winner, hometown Chicago, Illinois. Do you know who that is? He plays for the New Orleans Dwayne, Pelicans. Oh, well, I was going to say Dwayne Wade, hometown no. Chicago, Illinois. Uh, that would be um, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Do you know who player A was? He no. is cr- He is a current... Current college player. No, I don't even want to guess. Mobamba. Okay. Nearly similar, like almost a little similar from stats. And while watching the film, like when you said the, oh, if he could add the three, I was looking at him like, you know what? He's got an inch on Anthony Davis. And looking at the size, he's what? 225. Anthony Davis is, um, what's his weight? Looking here, 253. So if he could basically bulk up by hitting the weight room a little bit, because he kind of looks a little lanky, especially yeah. in yeah, the arms, yeah, he is. bulk up a little bit, add that three to your game, he could develop into exactly what we see from Anthony Davis and the New Orleans Pelicans. Like that is that is the ceiling, well, or the roof, because the ceiling is the roof Same for thing. Mo Bamba. Like, when I look at the game, defensively reminds me of an Anthony Davis of what he's doing in the NBA. When I see him around the rim, jamming at home, same thing I see from Anthony Davis as he's tearing it up in the NBA. The only thing he needs to develop is that three, which, look at Anthony Davis, 15% in college. This year from three, Anthony Davis is shooting 34% in the NBA. So... Just because you're shooting one thing in college doesn't mean you're going to stay the same in the NBA. That's the thing I like most about Mo Bamba is where he could be with development. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's that's what a lot of people think about him. But I think that's also where we're kind of at with Mm -hmm. Mo Bamba, Marvin Bagley, and with uh, Jackson, who we talked about as Mm -hmm. well. I mean, I think that right now all of them – are at the spot where if this is if this is it if this is it if this is all we're getting from them, okay, that's good. But there's more. Mm-hmm. There is more, and that's why I I, I really think that uh, there. I I don't think that the hype is too much. I don't think mm-hmm. that people are just. Really overhyping, and it's it's not gonna he's not gonna live up to it. I think he very much can live up to this hype. Last thing I want to ask you before we round out this podcast is: this is the first time, obviously, second big board we've done this year for the NBA. Last time we kind of differed with our number one. You had the bag man Marvin Bagley. I had DeAndre Ayton as number one. This time we both have DeAndre Ayton number one overall on the big board. I want to ask you this because obviously we've talked about Aiton before. We know, they know, 
why we have him number one. Unless you're new to the channel, check out the DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley video we did. Here's a question I want to ask you with Ayton. Kind of a similar question I asked for Michael Porter Jr. With Jr. coming back, what does DeAndre Ayton need to do in the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament to kind of keep Michael Porter Jr. at bay when it comes to the first overall pick? Nothing. He doesn't have to do anything. You don't think he has to do anything? No. Like if Mar- He's been playing all season. Okay. He's been playing all season. <laughs> don't matter. He doesn't have to do anything else. He has been playing all season, which has helped mm-hmm. to solidify where he is. Mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr., if anything, needs to be the one to do something, if anything. I don't mm-hmm. think he really does, I, because unless he does something just critically awful, he's not really going to fall. But unless he just you know, becomes Christ Jesus and walks on water, then I don't think he's going to be moving all the way up to number one. Because, again, Aiton's been the one who's been on the floor all season long. He's been making the plays all season long. People have seen him all season Aiden doesn't have to do anything. Let me do this then. Crystal ball question yet again. Throw team needs out the window. We will leave that to the fast break. Just going off of talent alone, look into your crystal ball when we get to, what is it, June 21st, I want to say, is the NBA draft. When whatever team rolls up to the podium for the first overall pick, after it's all said and done, who will be the first overall pick between DeAndre Aiden or Michael Porter Jr.? Aiden. With extreme confidence like that was usually brandon like the last time i asked you and most times you're kind of like ah, and you kind of just sit there and think this one was almost rapid fire i think this is the quickest an answer has come out of your mouth of any question i've asked it might be i'm really proud of it (laughs) i'm really proud of it i am going to go on the other side i think michael porter jr is going to do enough to be the first overall pick because the thing with ayton that i think might push him to the two is that a team might go, you know, Michael Porter Jr. can handle the ball, play on the perimeter, and score down low. DeAndre Ayton's only limited to around the paint. We need a guy like Porter Jr. compared to Ayton if we want to win, which wouldn't be bad because I think whoever gets him at number two is going to be fine taking him at number two, anything you want to add about anything with the big board before we wrap everything up? I just want to add one thing uh, on SI.com, mm-hmm. the very last sentence about DeAndre Ayton and a re- the reason why I think that he's going to be number one. Okay, It's extremely rare to find a seven-footer with his array of gifts, and Ayton is just scratching the surface. Enough said. Just scratching. That means there's more. There's more there, but there's more to all these prospects as they grow and especially after they get drafted and they got to grow in the NBA. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know your big board down below in the comment section. What did you think about ours? What did you think of our top five? If you're only watching this video on YouTube, let us know what you think down below in the comment section. If you love the podcast, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valid podcast. I want to thank William for becoming a new patron and joining the MVP Patreon family. Also, if you want a t-shirt from MVP, the store link is down below in the description. What are you doing? You got to get one. They're awesome. I wear mine almost every day. I got to remember to wash it. Don't want to wear it if I don't wash it, but I wear it almost every day. That's how much I love wearing the shirt. It is so comfy. Then you want to go ahead and bookmark Most Valid Podcast. That's where you get everything for MVP. And last but not least, if you are on iTunes, you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give the Primetime Podcast a five-star rating. Want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. Want to thank you guys for listening 
to the podcast on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.